Hi, I'm Mark Stoudemire, host and creator of Get to the Joke, a web series that's a master class in the art of stand-up comedy. I hope you find today's episode to be both fun and helpful, and you can help me out by subscribing to my YouTube channel and liking the video, and feel free to drop a comment. I'll be happy to get back to you. Alright, well let's get to the joke. I'm Mark Stoudemire, a comedian from Philadelphia. As you can probably imagine, I have much going on uh, right now. Uh, I can tell you the most exciting thing I had going on this week was my buddy called me up. He was like, hey Mark, found this cat outside. So I neutered him, gave him the shots, and I rushed this cat. You want to come over and see my cat? Well, I got some better to do. I got like 45 minutes to come see this cat. Showed this guy's house, cat's not even there. The dude, where's this cat going? Oh, it's an outdoor cat. <laughs> outdoor cat? Let me get this straight, fella. You found a cat outside, cut its balls off, and put it right back outside. Seems like a pretty raw deal for that cat. Story has another turn. This guy has two other cats. They're both house cats. That house has outdoor cat deals. Like, oh, outdoor cats, don't be coming in here. See all this food and air conditioning and love? That's not for you. You can't run back outside, you outside cat. Now I know how Cooper Manning feels. Nobody. All right. For those who don't know, Cooper Manning is Eli and Peyton Manning's other brother. There's a reason you never heard about Cooper Manning. Because nobody cares about Cooper Manning. He's an outdoor cat. In today's episode, we have Eric Terrell, one of the hardest working comedians in Philadelphia. He is the host of the popular YouTube series, Terrell's Top 5. Uh, you may recognize him from uh, being a regular at Helium Comedy Club, Punchlines, Philly, Carolines, up in New York City. Uh, he was a 2019 Comedy Central comic to watch, and it was an absolute pleasure to get him on this show. Um, I could talk to Eric for three more hours. Uh, Eric is just the, the work ethic that he has um, truly shows with his impeccable jokes and his storytelling. Uh, I hope you get a lot out of this episode uh, because Eric just uh, just gives so much gems in there that uh, I walked away with such a, a different way of doing comedy once I spoke to him. I almost forgot that he was much younger than I was because he was so wise when it came to comedy and, and stand-up. Um, I hope you appreciate this episode and uh, let's get to the episode. I'm trying, guys. You know, you know, I'm trying to do most. I'm, uh, I'm trying to be a real adult. I'm trying to be like a, trying to be like a real adult. You know, I, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's two-job people and one-job people. 
I fucking hate one-job people. Okay, not people who cry every night, eat ramen noodles for dinner, sleep on the subway. Those are real Americans. But I don't like people who have one job and like their one job. I hate them because I'm jealous. <laughs> I hate, like, you, you, you can, you can, you can, you know, you got your salaries and your benefits. You can decide when you want to take a nap. Because us two-job people got to stick a nap right in that window from four to six. And then we wake up, eat, cry, and leave. <laughs> two-job life. Because, you know, I, I have, I have, uh, I love this job. Uh, comedy fills my heart. I have another job that fills my stomach. Because <laughs> I need food. Because if I just fed my stomach, I'd have a sad heart. But if I just fed my heart, then it would stop. Because <laughs> I need food. Oh, one job people, man, you just just don't understand the two-job life. Two-job people are real Americans. Like we're real Americans because we are fucking tired all day. You wake up fucking tired. You go into work fucking tired. You get to work fucking tired. You, you, you go back home fucking tired. And you take a nap and you're ready to go. For the first time all day, you're ready to go. You're so ready to go that you've got to go. And where do you go? Back to fucking work. And you're fucking tired all night, and you're going back home fucking tired. And you get home, and you're fucking tired all week, and it's Friday, and you get to the bar, and you've got to get drunk because you deserve it. And you know what happens? When you mix all that alcohol with all that fucking tired, you fucking pass out. <laughs> and then you sleep all weekend, and you wake up Monday fucking tired. <laughs> real Americans. People with one job, people with one job got shit like time on their hands. Like, I think I'm gonna do swimming on Tuesdays. I hope you fucking drown. <laughs> so I can apply for your position. Hey, what's up, darling? How you doing? Who, who? Can you see me okay? Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, first of all, I just want to make sure, are you, got, you and your wife, you're doing, you guys are doing okay? Friends and family are doing fine? No coronavirus hitting you guys or anything? Your wife would be popping in with the dog. Yeah. I know I was worried about the same thing. My <laughs> wife went about an hour 
we'll probably pop in here yeah. too. <laughs> well, I'm right now I'm in like the the one of the three rooms that I have in this house. Um, this is where I write. I write right here. Uh, um, and so I just wanted to get like I wanted to do this here where I write. Um, if uh, we can just jump right into this, especially because. From what I read about you, you had started doing comedy at a very, or at least performing, I should say, at a very young age. Um, so when did all, when did the performing bug hit you, and then when did just comedy become something that you said that had to be part of my life? So it's a little different with me. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't um, obsessed with comedy at a young age, like most comedians are I know uh, just like you say uh, very you know very on point that people uh, get obsessed with com comedy at a young age and then they want to get into comedy but I really hadn't thought about it until college uh -huh. and that's when I decided I would just do it uh, in college I was extremely confident Col college College is when I happened as a human being. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was definitely performing and speaking in front of people and on stage uh, as a child. You know, like you said, uh, when I was younger, I did a lot of speaking in front of my church and a lot of a lot. I did a lot of joke telling and I did a lot of hosting events um, up until college. But not until college did I really get the bug to entertain in front of people by myself. Uh -huh. And that happened before I really had my eyes open to stand-up comedy. You know, I knew stand-up was a thing, but I just wanted to, I mean, I started acting before I started doing comedy. I just wanted to be in front of people, entertaining people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember as a child watching stand-up, and I liked it, but I wasn't obsessed with it. But when I was in college uh -huh. and I started acting, and I was a sophomore in college. That's when I started watching stand-up differently. Because at that point, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do it. I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready to go. Where's the stage? I can do that. Uh, I, I, had a, I had a lot of bravado that I had never had in my entire life um, when I was in college. And I didn't, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't obsess with being a comedian. Uh -huh. that, that happened later. Like, yeah. I, I just obsessed with doing it. I just wanted to do it because I just looked at stand-up comedians, you know, around the time when I was in college, and I said, I can do that. Like, that's something that I can do. Yeah. I think maybe it would be a hobby or maybe something I would just do one time. But definitely after I uh, had been on stage about two or three, four times, I definitely had the bug. And I was definitely like, oh, yeah, this is my life now. Okay, so you said that um, right. The first thing you you said was I, I came alive in college. Why why did it take you eighteen years to come alive? What was going? And I read this, and I'm, I'm I want to draw back a specific point that I saw. You were expelled when you were in school. What was going on before college that it, it took you eighteen years in order to be like I, this is like now I feel like I'm like I'm Eric Terrell or Eric Kaiser, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, but, right. uh, so what, what was going on prior to college that, that kind of like kept you in a box kind of thing? Um, I definitely think what you said was right when you said, uh, I had the opportunity to do it in college. I had the, the stage to do it. And there were so many people 
that looked to me to be entertaining. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to deliver nonstop. Uh, I was really popular at, in, in college. I mean, I hate to say that. I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really have that in high school. In high school, I had like two or three friends and I was never a part of the popular crew. Uh, I was never like an athlete. I tried out for the basketball team every year, never made it. Okay. <laughs> Failed dramatically. And I mean, I was varsity bowling team, um, captain in high school and the only girls that followed the bowling team had glasses. I mean, I, I just, I, I just, wasn't, <laughs> I, I, I just wasn't anything, anything. I, I guess it's, it's just, it's just the popularity. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the popularity came along in college. And I think with that came my like desire to be this, this person mm -hmm. that I was, I, I just wanted to be entertaining. Yeah. I went, and so that's when uh, I started acting and um, the the whole reason I went to college was so that I could be a radio personality uh, because I knew I had like a good hosting, funny personality, but I wanted to do that where nobody could see me. I wanted to yeah. do it like in a radio studio. <laughs> <laughs> but But once I got to college, people started to people started to, to kind of know that I'm a guy who can do that on camera, on stage, in the radio studio. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can, I can, I can, I can be that guy. So I guess just, it's just, it was just a lot of uh, opportunity and, um, and popularity that okay. just came in college that just made me want to do it. So were you like a funny kid? I think I saw that you said you were a class clown in school, but were you like a funny kid with your friends? Were you funny at church? Were you funny with the family? You, can you kind of give me the roots about when you thought you were like really funny and then where you thought that would end up at that young age? Yeah, I, I think I think I always knew that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think, I think I knew that from the very first moment I knew what the word funny meant. Mm -hmm. I think when I was... When I was a kid, I knew that. I, I didn't know how uh, to express it or how to use it. And me, me being a big class clown in elementary school, not in high school, I wasn't a class clown okay. at all. Which is funny because high school is an anomaly compared to elementary school and college. <laughs> but I mean, in college, I was a, a clown outside of class, yeah. not in class. Yeah. But so my class clown era had ended in elementary school pretty much because it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a good class clown behavior. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, I, I always had a target when I was being a class clown. My target was usually always the teacher, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is, which is why I got in so much trouble. And, um, that, that, uh, that didn't help in terms yeah. of me ultimately being kicked out or expelled in yeah. elementary school. Uh, because it, it was it was the the class clown combined with being a follower and making a bunch of really poor decisions. Uh, well, you can, <laughs> vandalism. Uh, vandal that, so that was it. Vandalism that made <laughs> yeah, me smell. Yeah, me and a couple of my friends we keyed my teacher's car. We just oh, wow. we keyed it all up. Wow. And that was that was definitely the last straw. That was like, yeah, okay, funny guy, you're out of here. <laughs> but was there, was there was there a reason that you targeted that teacher? Was that teacher? harder on you guys than, than other kids? Or was there a reason that teacher was targeted? Did he just like 
not want to be a teacher for you guys, and he was almost almost like sadistic in a way. Was there a reason you didn't key every teacher's car? It was it seemed like it was just one guy's car kind of deal. So so back then, mm -hmm. the, my reason for it now, I think, are the real reasons. Mm -hmm. But back then, I think I thought about it incorrectly. Mm -hmm. And it didn't happen until like maybe a decade later that I realized why I really keep my teacher's car. Now, um, it wasn't my idea, first of all. My friends were like, oh, we can your car. Because we, we, hate, we hate her. Let's carry her car. And I'm like, yeah, let's carry her car. It sounded like a good idea. Yeah. So it really wasn't my idea. Mm -hmm. But back then, we all hated this one teacher. It was a woman. Her name was Miss whatever. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so we all hated her because she seemed like she didn't like us. And she seemed like she would target us and get us into trouble. And But I think my biggest issue with, with her is something that I now see for what it really was, right? Because Which is? I, I was a class clown, uh -huh. and the classroom was my stage. Now, I wasn't, I hadn't been exposed uh -huh. to stand-up comedy. I didn't know that was something that could be possible. Uh -huh. um, I had barely been exposed to radio yet or, um, or acting, really. I mean, I knew about acting as, a, as an elementary school child, but I didn't know it was something that was possible for me, you know, coming out of inner city Philadelphia, I didn't really think that was something I could do. Or but so, so, and even if I did think it was something I could do, I just knew that this was my stage. And I felt like this was the only stage that I had. Mm -hmm. And so I had to be funny in class. And she, she usually, um, because classroom was my place to entertain, not necessarily be a good student. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she, of course, I think just did, wasn't having it. Uh -huh. not, not necessarily that she didn't like me, and she probably didn't like me, uh -huh. but it made it hard for her to do her job. Okay. And so it got it came to a head where she upstaged me in uh -huh. a few times, uh -huh. and my ego couldn't take being upstaged. Uh -huh. And so that's why I definitely agreed to key that car. Uh -huh. Why was the classroom targeted as a way for you to showcase how you wanted to be versus? with your family or with your with your friends outside of school or with like coaches or with like church people like why was it the classroom and not anywhere else well i think much like the way stand up ended up becoming a, a huge part of my life as an adult um i think it's the same reason i think it was just a drug uh -huh. really I, I think i've got uh, an adequate amount of attention for a young a young kid at home. Yeah, I wasn't deprived of attention at home, and the church definitely gave me a good, uh, also a nice positive outlet. But it's different being in the classroom uh -huh. than being at church or being at home where, where your parents and your older siblings are. Uh -huh. It's it's different. I, I felt a lot cooler, and I could make jokes I couldn't make in church or at home. Uh -huh. I, I was. Uh -huh. I was in my I was in my element, <laughs> and it was just and, and so the teacher was in the way. <laughs> Why is she there? So I mean, this, this is this is the place where people clearly are coming uh -huh. to be entertained by me. So uh -huh. you're in the way. 
Yeah. Now, the- now you work with kids now, so do you identify kids that remind you of your young self and kind of give them a healthy outlet for this need to be humor so they don't have the same, you know, issues that you had when you were a kid? Now, let me be clear. Yeah. I've never come across any child as good as me. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because that's the first thing I noticed when I see these little class files in elementary school, because it, it is ironic. And I always uh-huh. talk about how I, ironic it is uh-huh. that I work in an elementary school. Like, I'm the one who gets upset when kids are making jokes and not listening in class. <laughs> and I just, I, I just laugh at myself like, wow, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous how this came full circle. Is it though? Because, or did you choose it because you didn't have somebody like you when you were that age? All right. So yeah, these kids are acting out and yeah, these kids need that attention and maybe they're doing things that you know are detrimental to whatever, whatever they're trying to aspire to and in, in their current situation. But are you there because nobody was there for you? Like you're there for these kids. Is that why you chose? Maybe this is why you chose that profession. Uh, so yeah, I agree, I, I agree with you in a sense. Uh, I, I, that, that is why I take a very high level of interest and concern uh-huh. um, and care in in those in those children uh-huh. that I see this this bug for any entertaining everyone around them. Uh-huh. I, I I relate to that in the biggest way. So that that's definitely why. I relate to them and, and feel for them so much. It's not it's not why I do what I do, because uh-huh. I just I mean I I, I, I signed on because it was a job coming yeah. out of college, uh-huh. and then I'm like yeah this is pretty cool, uh, <laughs> because um, I feel like I make a difference. Yeah, um, yeah. With my day job more than any other jobs I could have, so yeah. I'm like yeah this 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 is cool. I, I would definitely I definitely want to do this, and I do come across those kids. In which I do relate that they they just have this insatiable appetite to be entertaining, and it can't be bottled up. They think like no no matter if there's teachers around or 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 if they're at an assembly. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just they're, they're they're in school to be to be entertaining in their minds. Yeah, and I definitely tell them something that I don't recall being told. Uh-huh. When I was a kid, that you have to save it. There's a time and a place for yeah. it, and you've got to save it. And which, which is why I definitely entertained um, the idea of doing like camps, yeah, and youth, youth like youth comedy camps. I never did one, uh-huh. but sometimes they need a place for it. And if they have a place for it, then they wouldn't be so. Then first of all, they would know that there is a place for it, uh-huh. and that I'm doing it in the wrong place. <laughs> but they know that it's something to be appreciated yeah. instead of something to be deprecated. Okay, awesome, man. Like, what was the actual moment or minutes or whatever it was that in your brain it clicked? I'm signing up. I'm going on stage. Do you remember what kind of got in your head, how you felt, kind of thing that got you up on that stage? Yeah. So it's 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 really it's really funny how it clicked in my brain, mm-hmm. and I and I and I made that decision. I was talking to a buddy of mine. He he's a photographer and he did some photo shoots and he did a photo shoot with me, you know, because I was 
an actor in college. Yeah. I was, I was acting. So he was like, you got a nice frame. We should do a photo shoot. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> and so in the midst of this photo shoot, I just told this dude on a whim. I don't know why I said it. I was like, yeah, I'm doing comedy. I'm this summer. I'm probably going to do comedy this summer. Now this is my sophomore year at Hampton University. And I remember laughing to myself so many times weeks after that, that I hadn't discussed that with myself before I let it come out of my, my, my mouth. Yeah. I don't know, know why I said that. And so every time I would laugh at myself for why I just came out and said that, I would immediately follow that with, there's no way I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. And that's when I saw some comedians Comedians would come and perform at our college, and I would see comedians on TV, and I was, and that's when I had that idea, like, I can, I can do that. That's why am I afraid to do that? That's something I can do. I can, I can easily do that. And so then I decided that I wouldn't cower away from that statement. Mm -hmm. I decided I would actually do it in hopes of him asking me that fall when we got back to college how it was. He never asked, but I did. <laughs> How? What is there on stage that you are willing to talk about about your life? And are there things that you're not willing to talk about about your life? I'm still afraid to speak about my wife mm -hmm. in ways that I've seen and heard other comedians speak about their wives. Mm -hmm. uh, I get that. The biggest I... one that, yeah, the biggest one that comes to my mind is maybe like a Louis C.K. Uh -huh. or somebody like that. Uh, that might be the only thing that I'm afraid uh -huh. to talk about on stage. I'm not afraid to go anywhere else. Absolutely uh -huh. anywhere else. Uh, okay. my, 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 one of my idols is Dave Chappelle. Uh -huh. And I love his jokes about transsexuals and transgender i mean he goes so many places and he's just he's 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 not afraid to do it and i think that's something that comedy should stand on i think that in this world where everyone's trying to make us be politically correct because everybody else has to be co politically correct uh -huh. that we shouldn't do that yeah. should, i don't think we should do that yeah. I, I i think I think this has been the one place that we've never had to do that, and we shouldn't have to do it now. And maybe having that mindset is career suicide, but I don't know if I give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, but, how important is it to be you on stage? So why do you tell jokes about your life versus why don't you tell jokes about a bird that you see in a park or a weird sign that you saw one time on the road? Why is it important for you to talk about yourself on stage? and not almost unattach yourself from the jokes and, and almost jokes that any comedian could do, but just your perspective on it. Why is it so important to be a storyteller versus any other kind of brand of comedy, whatever you want that to call it, observational or whatever, one-liners, whatever? Right. I think it's the difference between being loved and liked, mm -hmm. right? I, and not until I started to realize that, that I really care mm -hmm. about what I was talking about. It's funny because one of my one of my best friends and, and big brothers in comedy, Chris Cotton, yeah. was the one who told me. He was the one who first told me when I in my first and second and third years of doing comedy 
that I wasn't really talking about anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was so angry with Chris when he said that to me. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing so well. Don't you see how well I just did? He's like, yeah, but you're not talking about anything. Yeah. And that, that's, and that's, I think, when it started clicking mm-hmm. in my head. And it slowly began to keep clicking that until I really start doing well while also being vulnerable, then I'll never have real followers and real fans like I one day want to have. Yeah. Yeah. Because they won't, they, they won't know who they're seeing or, or, or who they're connecting with. And that, that brings people closer okay. in a way that just making people laugh can't do. Um, do you tell different jokes then uh, in front of a white audience or versus a black audience or are they the same jokes? I used to tell the same jokes in front of white audiences and black audiences. Mm-hmm. I don't anymore. Okay. And the reason for that is simply because I've learned what parts of my act work better mm-hmm. in front of a mostly black audience as opposed to a mostly white audience. Mm-hmm. It's funny because one thing I find about my act, I don't know if it's true about comedy altogether, though I assume it probably is, mm-hmm. for black comedians that is, is that there's there's things that I think crowds seem to love in mostly white audiences Mm-hmm. that mostly black audiences don't like at all. They okay. hate it. I mean, it's like, it's it's night and day. Like, this this will rock mm-hmm. a white room, but black audiences will look at you like, what are you talking about? Yeah. That's not, that, that we, we, we don't really like that. And so, and so the, 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 uh, the amount of things in my act that I can do in both rooms are actually limited. Okay. And so those are the things that I do in both rooms, but there's other things that I can't. Okay. If I were to give you all the money you need right now to create the special of your dreams, would you do it mostly white audience or would you do it mostly like in an urban room? Which one would you feel more comfortable shooting your special in? I would do it in a, a mixed audience, but it would probably be mostly white. Okay. It, because over time, those are the people who appreciate my humor the most. Now, I don't want it to be this way, black people. It's not my fault. <laughs> don't, don't shoot the messenger, don't blame me. Okay, it's, 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 uh, I, I, I want it to be the other way around. I yeah. really do, I promise. Yeah. But, but that's, it, over time, it's just, it's just been proven that that's honestly a reality. Mm-hmm. And most people who really have seen me in both rooms will, will tell you the same thing. Uh, you know, it, 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 people in Philadelphia will say that Eric Terrell is more of a helium comedian than a black bar comedian. Um, and um, I want to be able to be just as good in both places, but I never have been. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your writing process. I want to get a good idea, a good sense of how you write, how an idea is developed. And I have a few of your jokes here. Um, uh, my first, so the first one I want to ask you is about, if you don't mind walking me through where this idea 
got in your head and how you were able to remember it enough to write it down or if you don't write it down and what you do to develop it before you do it at an open mic or what have you. Um, the first one I want to ask you about is the, um, is the, the black people meet uh, joke that you do. You know, I've heard people say weird things about my culture. I've heard people say, you know, black people, we got, got uh, exclusive shit. Like, we got our own TV stations, magazines, dating websites. Blackpeoplemeet.com. I like blackpeoplemeet.com. I met my dad on blackpeoplemeet.com. <laughs> I'm just saying, it really will start a family. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Great man. Great man. Can you give me the genesis of that joke? And I picked that joke for a specific reason, because you mentioned your father. I probably watched maybe close to about two hours of your comedy, mostly some of the same jokes, um, on tape before this interview, and then from what I remember from you doing it, this might be the only time you reference your dad in any of your jokes. You talk about your mom, you talk about your aunts and uncles, but this might be the only time I heard you talk about your father. So you don't mind getting me from the beginning of that joke, Maybe mentioning why your why the punchline is your dad, kind of how you wrote it, how you edited it. Maybe that joke wasn't what the when you the clip that you sent me. Maybe that wasn't the original version of that joke. Walk me through that joke from the very beginning to the clip that you sent me. So, first of all, my dad is not as funny as my mom. <laughs> <laughs> my father. My mother is a character. <laughs> okay, so I think naturally she ends up uh, in my material more because of that. <laughs> now, my dad, I love him dearly. I, I love him a whole lot. Uh -huh. And uh, he's an amazing man and an amazing father. But he's, he's just not that much of, that strong of, or that animated uh -huh. of a character. Uh -huh. He... he He's just a calm, you know, collected, calculated man. Yeah. And uh, he's part of the reason I'm so calm and calculated. <laughs> That's but uh, that, that joke, first of all, I wasn't ashamed at first because I just told jokes about anything. Mm -hmm. But the more I was in comedy, I was ashamed to keep testing that joke out and trying that joke. Because that's one of very few jokes that I've ever told that's a complete lie. Okay. It's not true. Okay. You made the story. That's, okay. it's, <laughs> it's, it's just something that I figure could happen. Mm -hmm. And I know people love black stereotypes. Okay. And so I said, what if? What if this, this happened? Yeah. And so eventually... I, 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 it sat well with me because I figured I can just tell people it's a lie after I tell it, which is why these days, every time I perform it, I follow it up with, I'm just joking. I'm <laughs> just joking. <laughs> like, like, no, my dad, my dad's great. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> I say that every time and I make a point to say that because I'm not telling fake stories anymore. That's not who I am <laughs> as a comedian. But, but so, so, so at first it was just a funny, what if thought that I had. And I said, this is something that could happen. 
what what if because people love to think that black fathers aren't around what if i met my dad on blackpeoplemeet.com and so i just acted like that did happen started telling it as a joke people loved it so do you write that joke down does that go on your cell phone does it go into a notebook you sent me um you sent me a, a page of a notebook i don't know if that was from earlier in your career um and then i saw like computer um computer like joke or typed out jokes not computer jokes that was the way where i say that a typed out jokes um how so how are you writing that jo- well what, what is that an early joke from your career back in 2011 or is that in the middle or is that i don't think it's as recent because i think i saw it in an older clip yeah that it's funny because that's a joke that's actually that was actually uh written and first performed in like my first three or four years of doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even my maybe even my second year of doing mm-hmm. comedy. But unlike the skinny person fighting in a club joke mm-hmm. or the the um, big woman broke woman bird mm-hmm. bird woman you know yeah. dating you know stupid girls yeah. joke, which are also really 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 early jokes. Mm-hmm. Unlike those, it was shelved. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, I tried it out, you know, at like open mics maybe once or twice and it was immediately shelved and I didn't do it for like five or six years. Okay. I mean, so it, it's, it's amazing that, that I just decided to start doing it again. But when I started doing it again, it was just because I thought this has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this this seems like it has a lot of potential. And I was right. I mean, I started I started trying it out again, and I'm like, people love that more than or just as much as anything else I say. So I kept doing it because of how much people like it. Okay, so do you tell that joke in front of black audience, or oh. is, or is there a, is there a guilt oh, yeah. there? I didn't answer, I didn't answer the, oh, the question. Okay. Happens, right. Yeah. So, so I have the what if moment, and I think about I think about. Uh, the material and it goes into one of three places. I don't remember exactly where this one's. That's fine. It just give me, I guess the better question is give me your general, you get an idea, whatever that idea happens to be. Tell me your right. whole routine. So there's there's uh, my phone notes, uh-huh. there's my phone voice memos, and there's uh, a piece of paper. Never in. You usually never in a notebook. Sometimes if I'm around a notebook, I'll put it in a notebook. Uh-huh. But usually just some random piece of paper, a napkin or on the back of some paper that, you know, is close by me. And wherever I write it, I just fold it up, stick it in my pocket until I get home. I type it up. And so whether it's on a piece of paper or in my phone notes or in my phone voice memos, eventually I'm going to get home and type it up. Okay. Um, so... I would say about because I've I've contemplated and mentally created so so much material. I would say probably about sixty or seventy percent of all the jokes that I've put into one of those three places—the uh-huh. note, the memo, or the piece of paper—have made it into my computer library. Okay. Um, my library of word of word docs, usually the ones I like the most, but I can't get them all in there because I just don't have the time. I just have like an hour or two that I spend a week just getting the best one out of the notes and the voice memo and the papers into my library. Okay. But 
whatever's in my library, those are the ones that I contemplate trying out on stage. And I would say probably about 30 or 40% of the jokes that make it into that library are actually tried on stage. Okay, so is that all you write? So is it just one to two hours a week that you have time to write or think about a joke or organize in your in your uh, comedy library? Or is it just one, two hours a week, you're just placing jokes that have potential to be told on stage in a library, but there's more time being spent writing and developing ideas? Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. You have, do you have set times? Like you're like, when I get home, I gotta tell my wife, I need an hour to write. I do. So, I, I mean, and, and, and I, I brought my stuff up on the direction. I'm the man for the job because I'm OCD. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm very similar. Okay. If you want somebody who has a process, listen here. I got the process for you, just like Mark Stadewine. <laughs> I love to hear the so, process, man. Give me it all. So... Wait, what was, what was, what was the last question? Uh, I guess, like, uh, do you have a set time that you write? How often do you write right. a day? Where, where do you write? How's it get from writing to the library, from the library to the stage? Give me the whole process. If you want to use a specific joke to kind of give me an example, then that'd be great, but whatever you want, tell me. So, six hours a week. Okay. Is, is what I spend on comedy. <laughs> and, that's my, that's just my process. I think everybody should have a certain amount of time they spend either a day or a week, N not a month because that's too flexible. You'll get unfocused, but I think either daily or weekly. Now, I do also have a daily process. Um, it, it doesn't have to do with, with my art and the create, the creating and, and, um, facilitating of and managing of jokes, but just about business. I make sure I make, you know, I do at least one phone call and one email a day. That's, okay. that's been my, my business daily comedy thing. Oh, that's perfect. But, but six hours a week is what I spend on comedy. Now, three of those hours I spend on uh, my show, uh -huh. right? Which is, which is the art. And the other three hours is what I spend on business, right? Because it's show business, right? Okay, yeah. You know, and, and one fuels the other. And sometimes I do my three hours on my art first, and it really makes me incentivized to sell this thing, <laughs> okay? I'm like, now I got to make sure I'm doing this business and being a good businessman and trying to get myself where I need to get myself so that people can see all oh, this hard work I just did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and sometimes I do it in the reverse and I, and I think that, okay, I'm doing all this work to sell this product. And now I have to make sure it's the best thing it can be. So I, you know, so it, it works, it works hand in hand. I think we all should spend the same amount of time on our show and business. Because you can be an excellent businessman, but go nowhere because you're not working on your craft. Yeah. But you can be excellent at performing comedy or excellent at your craft and what it is that you do and go nowhere because you you aren't taking care of business. Yeah. 
So, um, is that six so hours? I, is that one hour a day religiously with one day of the week off? Or is it, could it be, could it be three hours on a Monday and three hours on a Wednesday? Or is there a set time that you do this, this, this work? Now it's been most realistic for me to keep it flexible mm-hmm. because my weeks and my days take really wild and erratic, unpredictable, you know, patterns and shapes with, of course, uh, my family and my day job and everything else uh, that I do. So, um, and I don't know why I said everything else that I do. That's it. That's all I do. But, <laughs> but, but so I keep it, I keep it flexible. So, so, so there's been days when I've knocked out six hours in one day. There's been days, there's been weeks when I do an hour a day. It, it, it It's okay. not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not the same. But I'm, but I do make sure that my hell or high water, the six hours is going to be done by the end of the week. Perfect. Cool. So, um, uh, so the idea formulates on your phone or in, um, on any kind of scrap paper. Um, and then the three hours that you, you take perfecting your crap are those three hours dedicated to the new stuff that's on the phone and the scrap of paper, or is it like, reviewing stuff from a show from the weekend or if like, Hey, you know, I haven't done this joke about, um, I haven't done the joke about, um, you know, uh, speaking in tongues in church in a while. Let me pull that one back out and see if I can put a tag on it. How do you, how do you do the three hours of like, tell me a little bit about those three hours. Give me more about that. So for the three hours on my show, mm-hmm. yes, just the, the craft. Yeah. It's, it's all of what you said. Mm-hmm. Now, I prioritize it. I prioritize it uh, in a certain way to make sure I do first things first. Mm-hmm. And think, things that I think I really want to do but aren't necessarily as significant, I just do with whatever time I have left in that three hours. Okay. Now, the very first thing I do each time now this might not be the most important thing, but yeah. it's just something that I've, I've just it's just become a routine of mine. Yeah. Is that I go in my phone uh-huh. and uh, like I have I, I record voice memo of every single time I'm on stage. Uh-huh. Uh, I just hit record, you know, before I walk up there, sit my phone on a stool, sit my phone on a chair, somebody's table, whatever. And so uh, I go to the recording and. Uh, make sure I write down the joke, right? Yeah. I, I mean, not, not the joke, but the set. The set, yeah. So I, I write down all the names of each joke. And uh, the order I did it, I just write it down as I'm listening to it. Every so single time you're on stage, open mic, helium, Caroline's, bar show, Hershey Winery, it's get them that notebook. Dude, it's 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 so OCD. It's it's every single time. It's funny. I'm the same. Every hold on. Give me one second. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta show me. <laughs> so here, this is the latest notebook. So let me see your notebook. Is it the college like like the the marble the marble one like the marble cover? Yeah. yeah. This this is this this is the the third or fourth one. I have I have one or two that I that I finished. Well, actually, there's there's uh, three of them that I finished. So this is the fourth one. Yeah. And 
Yeah, if if you see like right here next to next to the latest one, yeah, which was a few weeks ago, you were there yeah. at John Coppel. Like yeah. I got John Coppel's name on the top. <laughs> it, it said it says one zero zero seven next to it. Yeah. Which is which means I've done comedy one thousand and seven times. So here's <laughs> Look how some, so that's my set. This is from March 13th at Wisecrackers. Here's all the jokes, the date, the place, whether they were good or bad. And uh, that's a comedy set number 584. Wow. <laughs> I hope you can see nice. it. <laughs> so it's very nice. similar to yours. Yes, and I also have my, my John Koppel one in here. Where's that one at? That's, uh, gosh, yeah, it goes from March right to, right to his pretty much at this point because there's three years. Nice. Yeah, so here's that one. There's the, there's the Koppel set. Right there, the oh, yeah. you see at the beginning there. I just do it with numbers. Yeah, you see, I just rate I, it from one to ten. Okay, yeah, that's cool, man. That's so, really cool. I yeah. like that. It's funny. Right. It's we're, so, we're doing the same thing. It's funny. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's that's, uh, that's definitely. That's definitely, I think, the best way to do it, man. So, best way to do it. So, um, when you write, though, are you are we in? Are you in the bedroom, or is this where you write right now? Are you in the bedroom when you write? Are you like on your bed when you write? Are you in a chair? Like when you're actually writing out a joke, is that on the computer or is that on a notebook? Do you write word for word? Do you just take premise and then these are all the punchlines I want to hit? Anything like that? Tell me a little bit about how your joke looks. If I were, if I said, Eric, send me the joke that you do. Um, about the the gay trainer, what would that look like to me? Or just say gay trainer, and that's all you that's all you have, and then just in your brain switches to the exact joke to tell. So I take whatever I put in the voice memo mm -hmm. or the notes, yeah, or or the piece of paper, mm -hmm. and I type it into. My uh, my my word docs in my um, my folders of material. Okay. I type it in verbatim. Yeah. So it's it's so OCD. It's scary. I I I'm, I try to make sure I get every single word necessary or not every okay, mm -hmm. every every really every like every mm -hmm. which are unnecessary words that I say too many times in my in, in <laughs> I do my that. yeah. I get all those every 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 you know. Yeah. So <laughs> right. if, if you were to hand me a joke of yours, it would almost read as a transcript. Right. Okay. What is the difference between writing in your hand and handwriting your set in that notebook, but making sure you type out the joke on the computer? Why do you not handwrite jokes, and why doesn't your set end up in the computer? Yes. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> For some reason, it feels it feels safer to me and more comfortable to have to have all the sets in the notebook. Okay. Um, I'm not I'm not sure why I'm not sure why because I've gotten notebooks stolen before. <laughs> yeah. So so it's not safer. <laughs> it 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 feels it feels that way and I I, I feel more comfortable with it. Not, 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 I guess it's just the comfort level at this point. I guess that's the way I started doing it. And I just like doing it the way I've been doing it. Now, there are a lot of things that I might, I might throw in there. Uh -huh. Like, 
but I could do that on the computer too. So I don't know. Like, like, like sometimes I might write, um, you know, if, if I feel like I got a nice little pop on a set off of something I said that, that wasn't necessarily one of my jokes. Yeah. Then I write the word ad lib in mm-hmm. parenthetically. Mm-hmm. And then I, I I write the you know the line and the number next to it. Okay. Um, but of course, all, all all the little the little quirks and different things that I do in the notebook, I could also do on a computer. Okay. So, Are they backed up on the computer? Like, why don't you spill coffee on the computer and you fry the hard drive? Are all your jokes backed up? No. Mm. No, no, no. The 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 set the set lists. Okay. Are 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 not. Now all the all the jokes. Yeah, yeah. that's what um, I meant. I'm sorry. I meant all the jokes. I meant the, the jokes themselves. You you had them backed up on your computer in case your laptop fries or whatever. You had them saved in the in the in the cloud or something, so you can pull them back. Well, I, I backed them all up on Jump Drive. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I have one one or two. I don't know if if I still have the other one, but okay. I have one or two Jump Drives with all of them on it, and every few months. I make sure I take all the things that I that I did in the past few months, and I you know I back them up again on the jump drives mm-hmm. because okay. I have also gotten a laptop stolen. Jesus, <laughs> all right. So your your the idea hits you. It's on a paper. It's on your phone. You spend three hours a week minimum. If you have is it six hours minimum? Could possibly be more if you're in the mood to keep writing. Right. Okay. So you're writing it down. Verb. The joke is now being written verbatim on your computer. That um, is there any kind of editing that you do before you take it to an open? Do you go to an open mic to try your jokes out, or is it like I'm booked on a lot of shows? I can try it out on a show. Tell me how you get the joke from the paper to the first time a human ear, ear uh, a human ear hears it. Uh, so it's a uh, it's a feel. Um, now sometimes I waste no time, Uh, but that's, that's, that's rare cases. Uh And I want to say when I do that, I'm usually always, I'm usually always on point. Now there's been a few times that things that I thought would be so great that I would put it in, in my computer mm-hmm. and then bring it straight to the stage that, uh, that it was terrible. It, it's happened before. It doesn't, it doesn't never happen, but I think usually you, usually it's at least okay. Okay. Do you bring the computer with you or how do you know? Like, how no. do you remember? Oh, so you just memorize the joke or you memorize the important parts, um, of that joke. Or is it something like, I'm just going to go tell the joke. If it, if I forget to say it on stage, maybe it shouldn't be in in the computer. So, so 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 here here's the weird thing that I think probably no other comedian does, right? So I I I, I used to not do this. I used mm-hmm. to just look at it on the screen and memorize it, mm-hmm. and maybe rehearse it a few times in my room, and and you know take it in my head but with the amount of material uh unwritten and written that i have in my head right now it's just it's just impossible to remember everything Uh so what i do these days is i take my phone and i actually take a picture 
okay. of my computer screen, mm-hmm. which actually comes out okay. It's not <laughs> it, It's not a terrible picture. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a pretty stupid thing to do, but I just take a picture of the screen, and and sometimes. Sometimes if it's longer than one screen and I'll scroll to the next, take a picture of that screen too. And then while I'm sitting at the bar or sitting around at um, a show before I'm getting on, before I'm going to get on stage, I just scroll through on my phone and just look at it. You know, it's pretty clear. You know, I can see it. And so I just, I just keep reading through it until the moment when I'm about to hit stage. Okay. Cool. So, so you tell that joke on stage, and then what happens following that? that you, 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 I know you just said that you record every set that you do, and you listen back to it, and you put it in your book. Um, what, what else? So, what happens to that joke? Then, are you then rewriting it on the computer? Do you add, like how? Tell me how you self-edit yourself, or how you self-analyze yourself between the next time then you tell that joke. So I'm glad you asked, right? (laughs) Now, so if you thought it was OCD before. I feel like you and I are very similar with this, right? Except that you do more of it than I do, but uh, uh, I feel like we're very similar. (laughs) Right. No, buckle up, right? So so I have three different levels, right, Mm -hmm. for material. Now, level three is my A-list. Things that always work, uh-huh. okay, uh, and or or almost always work, and uh, not 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 even almost not even always work because my level twos pretty much always work, uh-huh. but the level threes are the things that are that could possibly be the best part of my act. Okay, I mean forty. Now I've written like thousands and I've performed hundreds, uh-huh. but there's probably like 30 or 40 jokes. Okay. And, and I haven't yet done a comedy album or been on television. Uh-huh. So I consider, I still consider none of my material obsolete. Uh-huh. I'm still doing everything. Uh-huh. No, yeah. <laughs> and so, so out of those hundreds, you know, it's like 30 or 40 uh-huh. that are like, that, that are, on the 18, my mm-hmm. level three, my level three material. Now, my level two material are the things that that work most of the time. Now, sometimes they might not work, but but um, the level one material, I think, are, is anything that I have never done. Okay. So something that I've never tried on stage before at all. So after after it's um, so after an, after I try it for the first time, it then goes from being a level one uh-huh. piece of material to level two. Everything's level two. Okay. Um, and if it's not level two, then it's not, it's not in my act at all. It's okay. not, it's trash. So you get, a, you get a one shot. A joke of yours gets one yeah. shot. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. At least, at least three or four. So okay. if, if, if I, if it's eventually on its way to becoming garbage, uh-huh. it's every, every piece of material that I've tried on stage, uh, has been a level two for at least two or three or four attempts or okay. two, two, or two or three or four times. I still, I still call it a level two. Uh, but if eventually I find out that it will never and could never be considered 
level three, mm-hmm. then it's trash. Okay. It's, it's, it, because the only reason things linger around in the gray limbo area of level two is because I think there's some potential in it being becoming a level yeah. three. Okay. So when I decide that there's no potential, it's not going to be a level three, then it goes from being level two to just being trash. Okay. Well, and then on I, your computer, do you have three folders, one, two, and three? And that's where the jokes that are subset? No, well, so the funny thing is I keep the, the level one, level two, level three list in mm-hmm. a different notebook. This mm-hmm. is a different notebook. Okay. I like <laughs> and, the spiral. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and this, this, this notebook is for that and other things. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. So. Okay. So then how do you know when a joke's done? How do you know that this is it? Or is it never done in your book until you do an album or are on TV? Could you always address a joke still? You know, you've been doing it for 11 years or what have you. Right. So it's, it's funny because the joke about being fucking tired, yeah. having one job or two jobs, yeah. along with the black people meet joke that we talk, just talked about, yeah. the black father meet, which yeah. is what I call it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and a few other jokes, but th- those are probably the main ones. But, uh, but they, 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 they were level twos for like six, seven, eight years. Okay. You know, I mean, or I would say five, 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 five years in the, in the case of the black people meet, but uh-huh. so because I've, I've seen some material make it yeah. <laughs> into the level three category, it, it, it's, it's become a lot more difficult for me. So it, it, the more I've been doing comedy, the more difficult that becomes. It's really, 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 really extremely hard. And because some things have made it into level three, that makes it hard. And then just the fact that the more time that passes and the more I'm writing, because I'm never, I, I never pause the writing. Uh-huh. I mean, throughout the pandemic, I've got like, maybe over a hundred things that have never tasted a stage. (laughs) So, so because with the time that passes, the amount of material grows to a ridiculous amount, it gets so much harder because, because once, once, once it's reached the level where it becomes level two Uh and it's, it's, it's something that has seen a stage it's basically a feel for, for when and if I'll do it again. Okay. I mean, there's, there's so many things that I've done just once. Okay. I mean, at, at this point, because I have so much material, things have to do really well in order for me to even do it a second time. Because there's so much, there's so much other level two material uh-huh. that I could do instead. Uh, are there, is there a joke that, exists in the realm of level two that maybe even should be level one but there's somehow an attachment to it you know it's like i should if if if, you know someone who doesn't care for me would tell me or someone who cares for my stand-up tell me stop doing that joke but for some reason it means something to you or you watch so much time into it that you can't do you have a joke like that that will always exist in level two even though it should be out of the act altogether 
there, there's a few. There's definitely a few. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 all have. There, yeah. There's a there's a few that I've definitely done more than I more more or that I do more than I should be doing. Yeah. And, uh, why why don't people like this? I'm like, what's 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 wrong with the world? <laughs> I'm more like, what's wrong with me? I can't get let go. Well, how often before before weird times and coronavirus? How often do you uh, get up on stage during a regular week on average? Shows, open mics, whatever outlet you have to get up in front of a live audience. Yeah, I actually do that a lot less than I think most comedians. I'm, I really. I really, I'm really not, I really never have actually been on stage that much a week, okay. even as, a, even as a beginner, mm-hmm. right? Because when I pretty much, when I first, first of all, college was in the way the first two years. Yeah. So I was on stage maybe once a week because being in college and trying to be a comedian was just too much for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... After those first two years, I came back from Virginia mm-hmm. to my hometown, Philadelphia. And within months, I was, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm, if, if, you're, if you're not religious, I'm lucky. <laughs> if you're religious like me, then God did it, yeah. okay? God came through in a major way. <laughs> because it, it, it really took about four, maybe five months from the time I got back to Philadelphia from Virginia in 2013, that I was in the rotation at Helium. Not mm-hmm. in the not not in the working, getting paid rotation, uh-huh. but they would put me on their open mic every single week because Jerry McGinnis and Maggie Sargent, her name was, because they really liked me. Yeah, and so they would bring me back. Week in and week out. And so because helium has pretty much always been that safety net, uh-huh. I never really got on stage that much. I've always gotten on stage maybe two or three times a week. Okay. And that's about it. Okay. Fair enough. Um, uh, let's talk about the three hours you, you spend doing the business side. Uh, I'm interested in that. You said you make a phone call, send an email a day. Are those... Are those like cold calling to like club owners or these people that you've done shows in the past? Tell me a little bit about the business and 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 why and how you how you come up with three hours to, to promote the business side of your of your act. Well, what I'm doing or and who I'm reaching out to mm-hmm. um, has actually for the first time it's changed recently, just because of where I am, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm. It's like late, late show, tonight show, oh, nice. SNL, uh-huh. and and uh, my agent because I have a, I have a, a local a local agent now and um, nice. But because I'm always in contact with her, uh-huh. she doesn't really count. But uh-huh. but <laughs> but um, it's 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 a lot of yeah, like Colbert. You know, of course, all the festivals that I still that I still need to do like Montreal cluster fest, big mm-hmm. sky, mm-hmm. The, in, the, the industry festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of industry stuff. Now it wasn't always that way. It, it used to be anything counted. Mm-hmm. It used to be 
but I had to change that in order to push myself to get where I need to get. Uh-huh. Uh, but but it used to be absolutely anything up until about a year ago. It was okay. it, it absolutely it didn't it, it, it didn't matter. And, and any club, any festival, like you said, cold calls, you know, any, okay. any anything was uh, was pretty much fair game. Okay. But uh, I make it a lot more difficult for myself now um, because um, I consider I consider a limited amount of options to be necessary. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. I understand, especially at the level that you're at. I mean, I, I, yeah, I feel like any city now or any small town has a comedy festival these days, and you're right. How do you weed out the ones that are not going to help you at all in your career versus the ones that people will actually show up that might be able to help you kind of thing? So, no, I know exactly what you're talking about as far as that's concerned. Uh, what is the, uh, the next step with the material? Are you going to do an album? Are you going to... Um, do like, what do you, what's, what's the next step? So you, you have all this material, you have easily an hour of a list stuff. You're killing, I mean, you're doing Caroline's, you're easily a headliner in any venue as long, you know, they got to give you a chance, but I can vouch that you can headline anything. Um, what, what's the next step? Are you ever going to do an album or you're going to do, are you waiting for the deal? Are you going to keep it all until you get a bigger deal? Nothing self-produced. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you you nailed it. Maybe because of the conversations we've had in the past, but mm-hmm. you, yeah, I mean, that's that that that's it. You nailed it. I'm waiting. I'm waiting yeah. until the deal. Um, now, if the deal does not come, because of course this isn't a perfect world. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm I'm definitely trying my best to do whatever it is in my within my power to work mm-hmm. out that. Comedy Central or Netflix deal, mm-hmm. uh, or or whatever, whatever it is. Um, but um, if it doesn't come within the next few years, I probably will do an album only because I would. I feel like I would have to in order to grow. Okay. Because that I've been doing the same material. I've got hundreds of jokes uh and so there's some things in that level two area mm-hmm. that probably are level threes mm-hmm. but there's just not room right now okay and so i i gotta get those level threes out of my life mm-hmm. and the only way to do that and feel good about it mm-hmm. is to just do a tv set or an album Cool. So the last thing I want to talk about is the clip that you sent, which is the um, the, the club being skinny and getting into the fight. And you sh- and you perfectly ex- did exactly what you're the only one that's done it. Give me the different years and how that joke has progressed. I'm trying to be tough. I'm trying to be tough. The, the biggest thing is that I, I just want to I just want to know I can handle all of my altercations. <laughs> like I still have to think my way out of some situations, and that's getting old. <laughs> Okay. See, I'm at the club this other night, and this dude, this dude just bumped me. He just bumped me. He's like, bam, and he keeps walking. It wasn't a hard bump, but I'm skinny, so I got off balance. I was like, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Then normally, I would say something to this man. Like, listen, bitch. That right there, that is not where I should have been standing up to you the time. I apologize. Let me know how to make it up to you. I'll take you out to eat, take your mama shopping, make it a family trip. I don't know. 
that's what I would normally say. But it's alcohol in my system. It's people around. So I pushed him. I was like, bitch. It was a, it was a real skinny push, full body. <laughs> like I was tired after I pushed him. I was like, bitch. Is the bar selling Gatorade? This is ridiculous. I push him, he falls back in my mind. And when he gets up, <laughs> the Bible says, as a man thinketh, it shall be, or something. So he falls back. He gets up. He's like, let's go. So, you know, it's alcohol, people. I said, let's go. Now, right here is we're not being tough proposes a problem. I'm thinking, how do I get my bitch ass home? <laughs> but he's getting excited. I had to think. He said, I'm about to jack you up. I said, jack me up, big daddy. <laughs> jack me up. Jack me up. Jack me up, boo-boo. Go ahead. You can jack me up all night. <laughs> um, is that story true? Did you get into a fight and then you reflected on it and decided to become a joke? Or how did that become a joke? Because it's a little bit self-deprecating because you talk about being skinny. You talk about trying to fight. And But what I've noticed was, I have some notes here when I watched it. The, in 2013 when you did it, it's this is the shortest the clip the shortest the clip was um and uh and you and and you do you do the you know you 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 get out of the fight by um by uh having a feminine a feminine uh accent i would say or a feminine uh, way of speaking acting like i just wasn't a fighter mm -hmm. and, and, and acting like i'm not the type of person that you want to fight yeah you know? <sighs> but i never went that Oh, okay. it's, it's an exaggerated, it's, it's an exaggerated version of something that has happened to me multiple times. Okay, because the joke but, does progress because then you, in the second clip you sent, which I think is from 2019, you add in a Bible verse. You are more animated. You do this thing I've seen a lot of your clips you do, where you'll look one way and do the two finger point the other direction. Are all these yeah. are all these very? Did you keep? So this seems to be the oldest joke that you continue to tell today. Are you constantly adding these little things to it? The Bible verse. Uh, in the second clip, you yell. You actually, the first one, you're pretty much, um, you know, calm, cool, collected, telling the story. You start to yelling. You start acting out more. Um, and then the third one, you add. You talk about uh, Gatorade. I can't read my handwriting for the other thing here. Damn it. Um, but uh, how much of that? How much of that? That the joke has changed considerably. Is it just becoming comfortable on stage, or were you like, I need to do more acting out. I need to be more aggressive than I am in this. In the last time I did that, like, what was your mindset with the genesis or the evolution of this joke? I should say. Well, yeah. Well, well, the genesis is just a simple what if, mm -hmm. right, in my head, mm -hmm. because I'm thinking, I like, I, I'm, I'm thinking that this is, this is what I need to start doing to start making the process easier. Because like I said, this thing's something that's happened multiple times. Mm -hmm. I've never went, gone that far, but I'm like, this is basically what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and what, what if I actually went all the way? What would that look like? <laughs> and so, um, the evolution, uh, the Bible verse is a part that I do from time to time. 
that's that's sometimes a part of the joke. Sometimes it's not. I only do that part when I think I've got a really hot crowd. Okay. I think the crowd really good uh-huh. because it's a part that is good, but not as good as some other parts of the joke. Uh-huh. So because it's not as good as some other parts of the joke, uh, sometimes I just omit it so that I could get to some other parts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's in and out. And I think there's one or two other parts that might be in and out. Okay. It. But what about, know, what about the way you deliver it? Because it goes from a very calm, you're just telling a story, almost like you're telling a friend a story about something that happened, to now there's a lot of, um, I can feel the, I can feel like the, I can feel the tension in the conversation. And as your joke, as the years go by, I can see the tension. You're getting angrier when you tell it, even though your demeanor and your, and your stage presence is very calm. This is one of the few times where you're aggressive when you tell a joke. Was there a purpose? Was, was it purposeful to make it this aggressive? Or did that just come naturally telling the joke? No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't. None of that is purposeful. It's just the natural way that I envisioned the joke. Okay. Now, uh, I will say I do have a fear of of not not having created jokes that are that animated uh-huh. because a lot of people identified me and profiled me as more of a calm, uh-huh. relaxed, chill comedian, calculated, chill comedian, which I am. Yeah. I mean, I would say it, that, yeah. I, over time, that's who I've become, uh-huh. and so and so now, doing material like that feels weird. Okay. Because when I was young and I jumped right into comedy, uh, this was one of the first jokes I created. I was a different comedian back then. Uh-huh. Everything, a lot of things were animated. I was all over the place. I talked a lot quicker. I moved a lot more. I jumped around. I had more animated act outs. And this was the best one of, you know, from that crop, from that early crop of old, energetic Eric Terrell jokes that just, it, it just, it just has people like it so much. It just stood the test of time. And sometimes I wish more of my act was as animated as that or as passionate as that. Mm-hmm. But that's, and, and that's simply why it's a closer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like sometimes I use the the fucking tired one job joke as a closer yeah. because that's almost as passionate as I can get yeah. these days. Yeah, like that's <laughs> it, it. Um, and and I think everything should be passionate, but mm-hmm. the closer should be the most passionate thing you have. I think. Yeah. Um, anything you want to plug real quick while I still have you and still being recorded? Terrell's top five. Yeah. Okay. Which I can attest to is awesome. Top five on YouTube is all I got. <laughs> and your website. And especially. Oh yeah, myericterrell.com. Yeah. Right. Yeah. During, during the pandemic, it's really all I got, and I'm 900 viewers, <laughs> 900 subscribers away from being monetized. Oh, right. <laughs> I'll get you there. That's because. <laughs> Um, uh, and I will leave on is why Eric Terrell? Why not Eric Kaiser? Just because of work? You don't want them to Google your name if you're applying for jobs or anything? Or what's the Eric Kaiser versus Eric Terrell? 
That, that's a good question. The first two times that I did stand-up, I was Eric Kaiser. <laughs> and the, uh, the very third time that I got on stage, I remember it was at the Laugh House. Mm-hmm. And um, one of, like, one of like my like my big cousins, so to speak. She's like a big sister, a big cousin uh-huh. figure to me from my church. She was there to support me, uh-huh. and she was like Kaiser. She was like <laughs> she she said she's. I'm like I could do Eric Terrell. She was like Eric Terrell's way better than Eric Kaiser. Wait, I was is like, Terrell, yeah, is Terrell okay. in your name at all? Is that your middle name? Or is that just completely out of nowhere? It's, 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 oh, okay. I, I thought yeah. I thought at least that was your middle name. I was, I was wondering if you just no, pulled yeah. that out. Of, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, cool, man. So yeah, I, I was I I agree with her. I'm like that that's that's what I'm doing, and it was it from then on. Well, dude, thank you so much again. I appreciate it. Um, and I will talk to you very soon, hopefully, and hopefully I'll see we'll see each other again performing, hopefully. Not the future. We'll definitely see see one yeah. another at a show uh, when, yeah. when, when this world ends. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, take care of yourself. Tell you I said hi, and I'll see you later, sir. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's it. We heard from Eric Terrell. Uh, truly one of the best interviews uh, that we had. Um, I, uh, I, if, you, if you notice Eric's uh, three-level system, uh, it was very similar to that of Troy Moore's system, if you heard from the previous episode. If you didn't, uh, you can click on this box up here, and you'll be able to watch uh, uh, Troy's episode. You'll see how similar of a way that they write their jokes are, which maybe tells you something when two up-and-coming comics do the same kind of uh, joke writing prep. Um, so, again, thank you, Eric, for being on the show. Uh, thank you for subscribing to my YouTube channel. Uh, every Monday, you can get a new episode from a great comic here in Philadelphia. Um, so just subscribe, hit the bell for that notification, and stay tuned for more great episodes. All right, I'm Marcel Thank you very much.